You know, every time I get up here, seeing y'all's faces makes me smile. Now, I don't see them as clearly as I used to unless I put my glasses on. You're a little bit of pink blurs and, you know, brown blurs out there. But seeing your faces makes me smile. I am so glad that you are here. Those who are joining us online, we are really glad you're here as well. We are looking forward to the day when we're all able to be back together again in this auditorium. It's just fun to hear our voices mingle like this. It's fun to hear the amens echoing through the auditorium. And it's good to be together in each other's presence and together in the presence of God. So thank you for being here. We are, uh, it, it really does give me a lift. We're working in the, the letters of John. If you have Bibles, you can turn over. We're going to look at some things that are in John chapter 2 and in John chapter 4. And uh, so you can turn to either of those chapters uh, and, and follow along with us as we do this uh, work today. And we're going to talk about a strange claim that John makes in the middle of this letter. We had one passage read where he makes this claim. He actually says it uh, twice in the first John and once over in second John. He says, you've been hearing about this guy, the Antichrist. I want you to know the Antichrist is already here. That is such a shocking Claim. It's a surprising claim. The Antichrist is already here, which means we are already in the last hour. When I grew up, there were books out on the market. There are still lots of books out on the market telling you in great detail what the end of ages will be like and, and what the Antichrist is going to be like and what the final battle of Armageddon is going to be like. I've read some of those books and I've done some academic study on those topics. And I will tell you this, this is one of those areas where sometimes people's certainty is inversely proportioned to how much the Bible says about the topic. Do you know? You know? There are certain subjects like that. The less the Bible says, the more the opinions expand. And this is one of those areas where the Bible gives us some teasers, but it doesn't lay out a complete doctrine for us. What's the end of time going to be like? What's actually going to take place? And sometimes people take that little bit of teasing and, and go all in different directions. And unfortunately... They have been quite different directions, so we have some divisive arguments about it and so forth. But we do know this, because John says it here. These early Christians, they kind of had this idea that this opponent of God is going to be a feature of the last days somehow. This opponent of Christ, the Antichrist, is going to be there. And John says... I'm telling you right now, it's already happening. I, didn't, I don't think John meant to deny that there might be something else taking place. Here and elsewhere, the Bible never is very clear about what that's going to look like. So always temper your opinions about that based on what's in Scripture, please. 
But he's saying, I want you to understand that the time to think about last things is right now. Don't wait and think, oh, I've got time to get my life together because the last things are coming. (coughs) Excuse me. Not right this second, I hope. He says, you know, don't, don't put off and think that that's far in the future, the struggle between good and evil, the struggle between the forces of Christ and the forces that oppose Christ, that that's some way off in the distant future. He says, it's going on right now. This little church that I'm writing to, that John is writing to, he says, you guys are experiencing this, this, this anti-Christ thing. He says, these these folks who are in your midst making certain claims, they are already exhibiting the spirit, the antichrist spirit, the antichrist prophecy. It's already happening. Be ready right now. He says, dear children, this is the last hour in chapter 2. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists are here. This is how we know it's the last hour. Over in chapter 4, verse 3, he says, Every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. And over in 2 John, verse 7, I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. He says this is a struggle that is going on right now. And he gives us, you know, from that very shocking claim, I'm bringing, you know, all that stuff about the end of time, I'm bringing it and making it right now. You need to be in your end of times mindset today. You need to bring it right home today. He, may, he draws some theological conclusions out of that. He says, this is how you can be in the end of times mindset right now so that you be- behave the way you want to behave in the last hour. Now, the last hour has been going on for 2,000 years almost, but it is the last hour. And he says, this is how I want you to behave. He says... Test the spirits. Back to 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Dear friends, beloved friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. He says you've got to be on your guard. John warns us to stay away from false prophets and spirits that aren't from God. Sometimes they're going to be spiritual sounding messages. He says, you need to test them. Well, how do I test them? He actually, if you read 1 John, 2 John, 3 John carefully, he gives you a bunch of tests, actually. But I'm just going to focus on a couple that I think really stand out in John's thinking and that are very helpful for us today. So how do you test to find out if a message that I'm receiving Someone says, I'm, you know, I've got the Spirit of God, I'm following the Spirit of God, here's what God says. How do I test if that's real, if it's really from God? What do I do? He gives you a couple of tests. 
there, staying there right there in 1 John chapter 4, look at verses 2 and 3. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit which does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming and is even now already in the world. So test number one that he lays out for us is, John says, stay with those who teach the real flesh and blood Christ. Now what's going on there? Why would there be people teaching something other than the real flesh and blood Christ? Well, again, we don't know for sure. There, this, is, this, is, this was a conversation between John and those people in that church, and we don't have all the information we'd like to have, but we know some things. Uh, we can make some educated guesses, so that's what I'll be giving you here. There were people who had split this church, sadly, Jeremy, when he preached, he kind of mentioned that fact. There are people who had left the church and formed their own little alternative church group in that same city. And the reason they had left is because the idea that Jesus Christ had, was actual flesh and blood was distasteful to them. Now, why that was true, scholars speculate. Uh, it's possible that this was a, a Greek-influenced idea. The Greeks thought that everything that's really good and everything that's really righteous and everything that's really spiritual and valuable is non, has nothing to do with the body. And so there would have been some motivation, and this manifests itself for sure uh, in later centuries. So there may have been this sense that it's just gross to think about a being as pure as God's Messiah actually having one of these physical bodies like you and I have. That's probably the leading theory as to what was going on here. So this group had broken the church, maybe for that reason, maybe for some similar reason. It was distasteful to them that Jesus had a flesh and blood body. And they had said, we know what the apostles taught. We know the gospel that we heard. We know the gospel we were baptized into. We know what those people who were closest to Jesus have, have told us, including John, the author of these letters. We know all those things, but we know better than those witnesses who saw and heard and touched. Jesus Christ, as John points out in the first verses of this first John. We know better because the wisdom of our world, perhaps Greek wisdom, the wisdom of our world has taught us that, that a fleshly Jesus just doesn't make as much sense as some kind of spirit-only being. And so we reject it, and we feel free to take the truths of our faith and modify them to suit the teachings of our culture. That's what looks like is going on here. And John says, they, they don't even realize it, but they're being captured by the spirit of Antichrist. They're being captured by the spirit of Antichrist. 
Jesus Christ was as real flesh and blood as you and me. He was as human as you and me. We don't like to say that. Sometimes we get a little itchy about that. Well, he, he was the son of God and he was, yeah, he was. And he was as human as you and me. The temptations he resisted, he resisted with the same body and mind that you and I have. The crucifixion he endured, he suffered the same pain you and I would suffer in that experience. He is as human as you and I. And you know why that's important? It's important for several reasons. It means that you don't just glorify body, uh, you don't just glorify God with your mind, you glorify God with your body. It means that your body, not just, you know, some spiritual thoughts you have from time to time, but your body itself, this full creature that you are, in all of its messiness, this is your instrument to give praise back to God and to do God's will out into the world. This flesh and blood that we've been given. If Jesus didn't have flesh and blood, then really our body probably doesn't matter very much. But Jesus did have flesh and blood. And so our body matters. If Jesus didn't have flesh and blood, then he didn't really suffer on the cross. And if that's true, then you and I don't really have to take up our cross and follow him, do we? So John says, this matters. You stick with those who are teaching you the real, physical, flesh and blood story of Jesus Christ. Don't gravitate to those who want to modify and change the truth that we've received from the original people who saw Jesus, who walked with him, who talked to him. These precious gospels we have these precious writings we have from those who were close to Jesus or who were taught by them, what we now call the New Testament. This is precious. We don't deviate. We stay close to those teachings for that very reason. There's another piece of theology that John wants you to be aware of, knowing that there are some false teachers out there, some, some false ideas out there. He says, Here's something else. He, he makes this point in 2 John very strongly, but he makes it several times in 1 John. I'm going to quote from 2 John. Look over at 2 John. Um, there's really only one chapter. I know it says chapter 1. There's just one chapter, so don't get confused. 2 John, look at verse 4. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth writing to this church. It's given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth just as the Father commanded us. What truth is that? And now, dear lady, dear lady is the name he's given to this whole church. 
Now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we've had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you've heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is a deceiver and the Antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for that you may be rewarded fully. So second test, it's actually all over 1 John as well. The second test is this. John says, stay with those who keep the command to love one another. Stay with those who know that what Christianity means is that we love one another. I think John would be happy if you ignored what he says about the Antichrist if he could get you to love one another. We have a legend, people that heard John when he was very, very old. A legend says that he he really couldn't stand up to preach anymore. He had to kind of address the congregation lying down. And that he would just say this, very old man, children, Love one another. He says, whenever you see someone coming along, and however spiritual they sound, however much scripture they quote, and however much they pound the pulpit, if the effect of what they're saying is to talk you into hating people, you need to really count your change. You know? Something's not right. If the effect of a ministry is hatred, something has gone wrong. Some disconnection has happened with the Savior who said love one another is God's second greatest command, and he acted that out by taking his flesh and blood body all the way to the death on the cross. Love one another. He says one of the mark, uh, in another place I didn't have time to put on your study sheet, one of the marks that tells us these folks who are teaching this false doctrine are false is that they split the church. They left us. They left the truth. No love. He says love one another is fundamental to what we're doing here in trying to be Christ's body, Christ's kingdom, Christ's people. He loved all the way to death. We got to do that too. He says, that's what you look for. There's some other theology that John pulls out of this antichrist idea. I want to give you one more. Go back to 1 John chapter 4, look at verses 2 through 4. This is how you recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming and is even now already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, the Antichrists, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. 
few weeks ago, Jeremy walked us through that great passage in chapter 2 where, where John, you know, addressed little children, this is what's true of you, young men, this is what's true. And a lot of that language was about, we've already won the victory. How have we already won the victory? What does John say right here? How have we already won the victory? Because the one that's in us is greater than all of the opponents that stand against Christianity. We've won the victory. I didn't win it. You didn't win it. There's nothing about your life or my life that has victory written all over it, sadly. I wish it did, but it's just not true. And I've had a few tiny victories. I've had some embarrassing defeats. But John says, we've won the victory. We've overcome because Jesus did. And as we stay in him, as we abide in him, we take part in his victory. John assures us that we have already defeated all the Antichrist because Jesus has. If there's language that John wants us to be aware of as followers of Christ, it's this, abide in what you have received. He says, stay close to Jesus, that's where the victory is. Stay close to Jesus, that's where your reward is. Stay close to Jesus, that's where your forgiveness is. Stay close to Jesus, that's where the love of each other comes from. Stay in Jesus. Abide in Jesus. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sin. It's an amazing, amazing proclamation of our ability to live this life in Jesus Christ. Church this week, we all got to go do stuff. You got the cares of the world going to settle on you. Some of you, it's already settling on you right now. You're already thinking, getting twitchy. I got to grab my phone. I wonder what's happening. That's going to happen. That just, that's inevitable. The cares of the world are coming. They're coming for you. As the world does its number on you this week, you do a number back. I'm staying in Jesus. You can't discourage me, you can't tempt me, you can't drag me away, I'm staying in Jesus. If you need to respond to the invitation of Jesus Christ, our Savior, if you need prayers or help of some kind, or if today is the day that you want to receive baptism to wash away your sins, receive this new life that Jesus offers. To be part of this kingdom that has already won the victory and is going to receive the eternal reward. If you want that, why don't you come, tell us what we can do for you as we stand there and let in song.